Take from New Jersey. It's the SNL Nerds, the show where two comics from New Jersey nerd out about Saturday Night Live. I'm your co-host, Darren Patterson. And I'm your co-host, John Trumbull. How you doing, John Trumbull? I'm doing very well, Darren Patterson. I'm pretty excited because, one, it's our 150th episode. Woo! 150! They said it would, we wouldn't make it. They said it wouldn't last. <laughs> they said it wouldn't last. And uh, I'm also excited because we've got a very special guest. Oh, we do. In, in, the, in the virtual studio. It's uh, it's our very first guest who's been a cast member of Saturday Night Live. We have Siobhan Fallon Hogan with us. Yes, a uh, former cast member of SNL, appeared in tele- on television shows such as Seinfeld, uh, numerous movies, Forrest Gump, Men in Black, uh, Fever Pitch with Jimmy Fallon, no relation. And uh, <laughs> she, she was also in the movie uh, Baby Mama, which we actually talked about uh, about a year ago. Yeah, yeah, and she was a cast member for uh, season 17 of SNL, which was from 1991 to 1992. Did we get all that right, Siobhan? You got it all right, and thank you so much, you guys, for having me. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, well, we appreciate you coming on. And you're you're uh, making the rounds right now promoting a new movie that you wrote and you star in called Rushed, right? That is right. It's coming out August 27th, and I'm like a dog and pony show doing re- – you know, interviews and TV and all kinds of press and also calling around to all these theaters all over the country. that are doing it to say, I'm literally doing videos for them going, Hey, if you want me to, I'll do. Hi, welcome to Madison, South Dakota. My name is Siobhan Fallon Hogan. Please come and see my movie. And I love Madison, South Dakota. And they put it <laughs> and they put it on their social medias. So I'm literally 24 seven pr- promoting this movie. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you so much for, for taking the time for us. We really oh, well, I am here. very flattered that you're having me. Thank you. So Yeah, yeah. Thanks for being on. This is, this is a big honor. Like uh, like I said, you're the first uh, you know, former cast member of SNL we've had in the podcast. This well, is... that's awesome. And, hey, congratulations on your 150th. That's awesome. Thank, thank you Thank you so much. much. Slow and steady wins the race, guys. That's, that's right. right. <laughs> that is our, our philosophy. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, um, yes. So, Darren, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I was just going to say, um, yeah, so, I mean, I mean, this is a big deal having a, you know, SNL cast member on the podcast. Um, so, I don't know. Let, let's let's get it. I guess we can get into it. Like, um, you know, the, the origin stories of, of you and, you know, figure out, um, I guess, like, uh, at, the, at the top, like, um, you know, how'd, getting, how'd you get into acting and all and all that? Well, when I was a little kid, I'm from a big Irish Catholic family and... We were, my parents really emphasized being funny. You know, like most parents are like, hey, um, how are your grades? And ours were like, what story do you have to tell that's funny? So Uh it's hard to get a word in edgewise. My my youngest sister, Megan, used to raise her hand and say, when can I talk? (laughs) (laughs) So we, you know, I think with the Irish culture comes storytelling. And when I was in third grade, I was cast in my first play as the last wheel in the proud train. So I love being on stage. After that, it was, it was. It was all history from there. And um, so then when I was in high school, I wanted to go into, you know, I wanted to go to a theater school. My father's like, absolutely not. That's ridiculous. So I went to a little college called Lemoyne College where I did all the plays in Syracuse. And then my senior year, I was supposed to be a teacher. And I was like, hey, dad, this is where I draw the line. And so I said, I want to go to, I went and got my, I auditioned for graduate schools. I went to Catholic U, got my master's in acting. Then I moved to New York City. I did a lot of stage work. I did like Shakespeare in the Park and all kinds of theater. And then, you know, I was such a weird looking person, <laughs> Okay, like red hair. And I, I had a really deep voice and people were like, you're going to grow into your look. You're going to grow into your voice. But right now you're probably not going to work till like 35 or 40. I was like, F that. So I was like, okay. So I wrote a one woman show because I was in doing improv at um, 65th and first at this, this comedy club called who's on first, which is mm-hmm. long, long, long gone. And, um, so I did the show and it did really well. I got really good reviews and basically it was just all these characters that I wanted to play. It had no theme, nothing. And they would mm-hmm. write the reviews. The theme is very clear. Siobhan's trying to make. I'm like, there is no theme. These are just characters that I wanted to do, like like a Midwestern stand-up comic or like a cheerleader and all these different crazy characters. I ended up doing it in LA. I rented the theater out myself with my $5,000 I earned from being a receptionist at a law firm because I had no mm-hmm. skills whatsoever. Terrible waitress. And long and short of it, SNL came and Seinfeld came and really Golden Girls. And, and they came and they put me on their shows. And it was it was like the moral of the story is write your own stuff if you want to fast forward your career. 
that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I mean that's really starting at the top of your profession. <laughs> yeah, well, I was basically desperate. So because I would go to auditions, they'd be like, mm, "No, you know, she, I don't know, her voice is too deep for her age, or you know, she's got that red hair. I don't know, she's kind of weird looking." And um, so someone and and honestly, you know, I really believe what goes around comes around, and. When I worked at this law firm, because as I said, I had no skills. I couldn't even waitress. I would like look at the food and I'd be like, no one looks familiar. I must have definitely like ADHD or something really bad, but I was never diagnosed. But mm-hmm. um, so I was like, I got to be, my mother's like, Siobhan, I think all you can do is answer phones. So I worked <laughs> at the law firm. I'm still friends with the guys to this day. Steve Siller is greatest guy. And I would hire all my friends. They'd be like, Siobhan, we need someone to do bookkeeping. I was like, I know someone. So all my friends were actors. I got them jobs. So <laughs> And so, and we would cover for each other if we had auditions and stuff. So basically, um, you know, one of them said to me, why don't you write a one person show? And I, I never wrote, I never thought of myself as a writer, but I was like, okay, so I'm just going to write the characters that I wish I was cast at, but no one will cast me in. Wow. And that's what happened with the movie too. So, so I've done on these one woman shows over the years, right? And like when I had, I have three kids. When I had the three kids, I think people were like, I guess she's out of the business. So I wrote another one about having kids. And then three years ago, I said, well, I should probably write another one-woman show. I was like, you know, I'm so sick of one-woman shows because when you go out to dinner after a one-woman show to talk to the cast, you're really just talking to yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, you know what? That looks abnormal at my age. So maybe I'll write a movie. And I thought, I've been in the business long enough. I will write a movie. So I wrote this movie, Rushed. And it just kind of came out, you know, just was my friend who's a writer said, just write, just get it on the page. Mm -hmm. I mean, my friend, David Goodman, who lived behind me in LA, we're like best friends. And he's the head of the writer's guild. Now he wrote for family guy and all these shows. And I did a play with Homer Simpson, Dan Castellaneta. He's going to be in my next movie. So I I wrote this movie and I was like, okay, now who in God's name is going to be in it? So I called up all my friends, Robert Patrick, who did was in the Terminator mm-hmm. and Jake Weary in Animal Kingdom. And they're like, Siobhan, we're in. Now, by the way, they're making like $2 a week. I took the movie, then I sent it over to Denmark because I've done three movies with Lars von Trier. I just was in, you know, um, The House that Jack Built, Matt Dillon, and all these movies with him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, we're in, we'll co-produce. So like everything kind of like fell into place because I was, I'm not tooting my own horn, but I thought you treat people the way you want to be treated, and when the time comes, they'll be there for you. And that's just kind of the way what happened. Wow. Wow. That's yeah. that's great. It sounds like it, it came together pretty easily. That is fantastic. I mean, by uh, Hollywood standards, that is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's also cool. when you have control and it's an independent film, you you know what I mean? You don't have a lot of people mm-hmm. going, Well, I didn't like that scene, or I don't want to cast that person. So, you know, when you're independent. You're the boss and you follow your instincts. And if you've been in the business long enough, you know what works and what doesn't work. Right, right. Wow. And okay. and it's an interesting subject matter uh, for this movie too because it's it's about uh, like a fraternity rush hazing thing that goes awry. Yes. And, and you're like the, the mother I'm kind young. of trying to find justice. Am yes. I summing that up well? You are summing that up well. And then it becomes a thriller – um, it's a huge thriller because when the mother doesn't find justice, she is like the hell with this and takes matters into her own hands because, you know, I have red hair, which means you're a little bit crazier than the rest of the people. <laughs> I have what they call an Irish temper. Uh-huh. So when I would lay in bed at night when my kids, I have three kids, they're now 19, 23 and 26, but many mothers and fathers will tell you this, that now with the cell phones, like my parents didn't grow up. There was five of us didn't grow up with cell phones. And I had some pretty wild brothers and sisters. So you're, you could, your imagination could only go so far, I think. You know, uh-huh. they'd be like, oh, they said they'd be home at midnight. They're not home, one, mm, they're not home. Two, you start calling the other parents. You can track your kid down. Now, you lie in bed. Your kids are out. They go off to college. You use total control when they go to college. But you still have that stupid phone. So you're like, hey. You don't want to be too much of a helicopter parent, which in right. the movie my character really is. And you're yeah. like, hey, just do me a favor. Could you just shoot me a text when you're home safe? <laughs> then you go to bed and you wake up at two, no text, three, no text, four, no text. Then you start to really worry. And if you're like me, your imagination really runs wild. And you're right. like, 
picturing yourself in the worst situation, right? So that is where the movie came from. Just from me being a worrywart and thinking, oh my God, what if my kid is harmed and what would I do? And then you realize it becomes a thriller because obviously I'm insane because what would I do? Watch the movie and you'll find out. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. I mean, the uh, check out the trailer. It's, it's pretty, pretty cool. So I'm I'm glad to hear that. By the way, I want to tell you this, the trailer, you Google rushed, R U S H E D movie 2021. It's also on Instagram at rushed movie and on Facebook rushed movie and hashtag whatever the hell that is. Hashtag rush movie. I'm learning all the social media stuff, but anyway, go ahead. I, well, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that that this wasn't inspired by like one of your kids going through a horrible rush experience. It sounds like. Right. No, thank God. Yeah. Cause I actually did wonder like how much of this was based on real life. Cause like from what I've read on it, like uh, the mother that you play is Irish Catholic and, it takes place in upstate New York, and I believe your son is in this film as well. So I was like, oh. I hope yeah, my son's in it. My daughter's in it. Sinead, she plays um, – sh- they both came home from college, which is a really funny story, um, because they came home to the house. And I, the, when you see the movie, the fraternity scenes are in my house. So when you see Jake Weary at the top of the balcony at the initiation, that's my house. Wow. wow. Oh. Yeah. So they came home from college, right? And I said, guys, look at the way I decorated the house. To look like a fraternity. And they're like, Mom, this is, looks like the stupidest thing we have ever seen. And anyway, I they they fixed it all up to make it look normal. They also, um, you know, they I, I said, let me just read you some of the dialogue I've got for the um, fraternity scenes. Uh-huh. And, and I'd be like, hey, guys, um, want to go smoke a boner joint? <laughs> <laughs> dude and they're like okay mom that is the worst so they helped me my son wrote a scene fat nick the rapper uh-huh. he, um, he um is in the film as well as many other rap a lot of rap music from these top rappers like og Mako and top hill fredo and uh this rap scene the, pardon me this drug dealer scene that my son wrote that's in the movie between Fat Nick, Jared Sandler, who's a fabulous stand-up comic, uh-huh. um, and my and Jake Weary is fantastic because, um, you know, it's the lingo that, that kids use. I guess I shouldn't be really proud that my son knew all the lingo of a drug dealer. We need to, we need to look into <laughs> Yeah, that. I don't want to say anything, but... You want to say anything, but wait a minute. <laughs> Are you an idiot? <laughs> so, so, Yeah. I, I just I just love that you threw a basically threw a kegger at your house. <laughs> oh my god, you you could not have believed what the my house looked like. Every night there was three three ton trucks in my driveway. Uh-huh. And by the way, I don't have a long driveway. And there was porta potties everywhere because my husband was a producer on it. I made him take off work for two months. I had everybody in town working on this movie. I had crew. I literally put on Facebook, hi, everyone. And I'm terrible at Facebook. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm doing a movie in like two months. Does anybody want rent, rent rooms? And literally, people were so beyond generous. You could not make it up. They were like, rent? Siobhan, we've got you. Like, I'd have three crew members. And if you've ever seen crew members, they don't look like people from Rumps in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. They're like... It looks like the circus came to town. So, by the way, not that I look normal. And um, and people were unbelievable. They put people up. They brought meals. I mean, we had catering and everything. But at night, you know, you get hungry. It, it, people yeah. were incredible. They really stepped up to the plate. Wow, that's really cool. And yeah. it, it sounds like you're really helping the local economy as well. Yeah, we. I think at least the local bar went did, did gang bars. <laughs> <laughs> Val's yeah. Tavern. Val's Tavern and Murphy's Bar. Mind you, I could never even go out because I, I was like getting like three hours of sleep a night because you know I wrote it too. So I was like fixing things at night and then troubleshooting, you know, like somebody who got in an accident and smashed three cars, that, that kind of thing. Oh, Lord. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, actually, I have a question real quick. Uh, so, I mean, with this film, this is like uh, a lot more dr- like a more of a dramatic role for you. And uh, like I've also noticed like in your earlier uh, when you were talking about it in your earlier days of uh, acting, you had more of a you take more comedic roles like SNL, yes, and uh, Seinfeld. So I was just wondering, like, is was uh, growing up when, when you were coming into the acting game, 
like were you trying to be more of a comedic actor or a dramatic actor or both or did you sort of like how does that art go well i as i said i got my master's degree in acting which is actually really funny because it's a really expensive way to pretend that you're someone else um so i love both you know, I'd done Shakespeare. I did Shakespeare in the Park. I, I, I learned both. And I really love both. And I love film. So I was pegged as comedic for a long time. You know, I was on SNL. And mm-hmm. Avi Kaufman, who's this amazing casting director, if you look her up, she did just like Mayor of Easttown. She has tons of movies. And she was always really good to me. And my daughter, Bernadette, who's now 26, um, she – she used to get terrible ear infections. And so I had this audition for a Lars von Trier movie. She was about three years old. So she's 26 now. It's 23 years ago. And Avi called me in for this role. And people are like, Siobhan, Lars von Trier, he's like the greatest, you know, European director, perhaps maybe the greatest director in the world. You, you know, you got it. What's the role? It's like, my God, it's a prison guard. I have to cry. Bjork is starring. The, the film won the Palm d'Or at Cannes Film Festival. This was a Dancer in the Dark, right? Dancer in the Dark, yes. And then I went on to do Dogville with Nicole Kidman and Lauren Bacall. And I also did um, The House That Jack Built with Matt Dillon. Well, anyway, so I go in for this audition. My daughter had been up all night screaming, crying with an ear infection. And I go to the audition. And of course, I immediately am able to cry because I'm so exhausted that what else could I do? So it worked for the part, right? Mm -hmm. So because of that, it then opened up doors for serious roles. And I was able to make that cross, which a lot of times you get, you can't, you get stuck. So I, that was a really lucky break for me. And I'm extremely indebted to Lars von Trier and Zentropa for doing that for me. And, you know, I, I, did I say this? I'm so old. I don't even know what the hell I've said to you guys, but um, I sent him the script and they co-produced the movie with me. Yes. Yes, you did. I did say that. So you can edit that out. (laughs) So so it sounds like you also owe your current career to your daughter's ear infections. I do. I owe my, (laughs) my, wait, wait, not only do I owe their ear infections, but as you will see in the movie, you know, I remember I went to, when I went to Catholic U, they said, you know, you're not going to be able to, you know, like these actor talk, Mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to know how to draw from your well of anger or, hurt or sadness to experience it. I was like, well, that's such bullshit, right? So <laughs> then cut to, you know, there's nothing that make it, you can go through the roof more than your kids. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like right. I, I have a, as I'm sitting here, I'm looking at a picture on my wall in my kitchen. I don't want that picture to be there, but it is there because my son punched the wall once because he was late for football practice. So I had to put a picture over it. So anyway, kids can drive you right over the edge. So I have to thank my kids too for being able to, you know, they say an actor's like a piano with 88 keys. So Mm -hmm. I was missing like 86, 87 and 88, but I got them because of my kids. (laughs) That's sweet. Yeah, it's sweet because they can drive you crazy. Yes. No, but I know I'm an outlet for that. Truly, um, I am so grateful to my family. I mean, being sincere, they have been unbelievable to me. I, my kids, I brought them all over. They went to Australia when I did Charlotte's Web. They've been to Denmark and Sweden. They've been all over with me. And, hey, they learned a lot. And I put them – they're both – the, two of them are in the movie. One isn't – Bernadette got caught. damn. Hey, listen. She's a reporter at the New York Post. She has front covers all the time. So she, her ego is big enough. She, someone needs to bring her down. Okay. <laughs> so, so, yeah. But, no, but my family, my husband, you know, he produced – and I also want to give a big shout-out to Vivica Musaya, the, the director from Denmark who killed it. And, and Sabina Miliani, the editor who she edited um, March of the Penguins and many huge, huge movies. She, she edited this movie that I did with Johnny Depp called the professor. Mm-hmm. And I called her up and I was like, cause we were, we had two days left on the film and we were going to up to upstate New York. I wanted to get the foliage, you know, right? And, cause we filmed most of it in Rumson and Middletown and Red Bank. And we're in Binghamton, New York and Vivica, the director says, Siobhan, we have an A-list film. And we don't have an A-list editor. What are we going to do? And I was like, wait a minute. Think, 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 think. I've been in this business for 550,000 years. I must know an A-list editor. So I was like, wait a minute. Sabine Emiliani from France edited this Johnny Depp movie called The Professor that I was in. She used to text me and email me and call me all the time 
because she thought what I didn't was funny because I played like a drunk that fell in the bushes and was insane. Mm -hmm. So I call her from Binghamton, France. Hello. I said, Sabine, it's Siobhan Fallon Hogan. My God, how are you doing? I said, listen, I wrote this film. We don't have an, an editor because I never thought that far in advance to post. You know what I mean? Right. I was like, got the movie done, got a cast, got it shot almost two days ago. She goes, I can't do it. I have a, doing a film. Uh, <laughs> but let me read it. Send it to me. The next morning I wake up, Siobhan, I'm all in. So she, I went to France to edit this movie just before COVID for two months. Oh, wow. She did a, an incredible job. So, you know, um, it was really, the cards fell into place. And not only was it, not only was it lucky, but I've been praying my rear end off for years, you know, and I feel it's like divine intervention. I was really, really helped along by, by God. Wow. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. That's really something else. That's, uh, yeah, you should, you should definitely be proud of, of just, you know, seeing the process through whatever happens with, with the movie. I mean, yeah. it's just, I mean, even just, you know, seeing it through and getting it completed, that's an accomplishment in and of itself. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I want to tell you regarding SNL, mm -hmm. Aaron, oh. Aaron, Aaron Frazier, who I met on SNL, who then became one of Lauren Michaels producers on many of his movies. She's one of the producers on the film. Oh, cool. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Speaking of SNL, we should probably get into that too. Yeah, you uh, should be that's the name of your show. You're like, stop, yeah. stop talking about your dumb movie. <laughs> no, no. I mean, we're, we're interested in what you're doing now well, I know. Uh, as well, of course. But yeah, I mean, so you did the one woman show. And yep. so you said Seinfeld came to that. Some people from SNL came to that. So what, after you get the audition, what, so I, what is the actual audition for SNL like? Okay. Right. So I, I fly to New York City and there's like 15 other girls and the audience is all the cast members, producers, NBC. So it's like slightly tense. Uh -huh. <laughs> so it's, yeah. you know, you got Dana Carvey and Mike Myers and Adam Sandler and Chris Rock. They're all watching you. Um, wow. So, and you, we, and, so, and you have like literally five minutes each. Mm -hmm. um, so I basically took characters that I had done from, you know, my one woman shows or that I wanted to do with, with a, like a bag of wigs. Like I was like dog mm -hmm. and pony show. And then I, I, I just did each one of them. I did. I used to do Catherine Hepburn. I was like, oh my God, the cat is our room again. Look. And I just went from character to character to character. Uh -huh. um, so then that night we all went out, you know, that's part of being an SNL going out. It's so nocturnal. And right. the guys were like Chris Rock, greatest guy and Adam Sandler. They're so great. And Chris Farley was a very good friend of mine. Like, Sharon, it's you, it's you, it's going to be you. It's going to be you. And I was like, ah. so I remember I, I think I found out at like literally like seven o'clock in the morning. Wow. And I was like, holy smokes. And I, I called my, my dad, my mom and my mom's like, Shvani's golfing. So I was like, crap. So I called the golf course and everybody knows everybody upstate and everybody knew my father, my father, Bill Fallon. He was like notoriously hilarious in Syracuse. And I called the golf course and they're like, Shvani's out. We'll, we'll somebody, we'll send somebody on a cart to get him. So they bring him in. I was like, dad, guess what? He's like, what? I go, I'm going to be on SNL. And he goes, dynamite. <laughs> Out of sight, Shivani. Top shelf. You're top shelf, sweetheart. He goes, guys, my daughter's going to be on SNL. And he goes, all right, well, I got a game to play. I'll talk to you later. Love you. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> so sweet. And then I had to start. I remember I had to start like just about immediately. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I have no cool clothes. I'm not cool. What in God's name? And so I started, and and that was it. Wow! And uh, up to that point, like, were you was uh, getting on SNL like the goal? Were you a huge fan of SNL? Totally. Like, I loved SNL. I, Gilda Radner was my hero. Um, I I just wanted to be on the show because I had done a ton at that point of improv. I I was in the Groundlings in New York City. Then they shut it down. I don't know why the Groundlings never went over in New York. Oh, wow. Then I went out to L.A. I did, a, I did a play out there where I played a ton of characters about Harvey Pekar. I don't know if you know he is um, yeah. very, very well known. American Splendor. American Splendor. With Dan Castellaneta, you know, Homer Simpson. Um, and I had done all this comedy and tons of characters. And that's what, that's what I did, you know. Uh -huh. So I wanted to be on SNL so badly. And it, and it was just like I was like pinching myself. 
Wow. And and you came in at an interesting time, too, because it was like right after Jan Hooks and Nora Dunn had left the show. So they were looking for more yes. women because like just Victoria Jackson and Julia Sweeney were. That's uh, right. Carrying over. That's right. And it was a huge time because Dana Carvey and Mike Myers did Wayne's World that year. So ah. they were, the cast was like breaking into these movies and it was it was tense, you know, mm-hmm. intense and intense. Yeah. But I was very grateful. And uh, it, it, it's re- it, it's really like sort of right when that paradigm shift is happening. It's kind of shifting over from the the Dana Carvey, John Lovitz era to where the guys like Sandler and Farley were kind of taking over the show, right? Yeah, and Chris Rock. And it mm-hmm. was, you know, kind of the young blood was coming in. And so it was a mix. Yeah. It was, and it was truly like, I don't know if you ever – read the Dr. Seuss, the star, star belly sneeches. Like there's that book where, you know, some of them have an X on their stomach and then the X becomes popular. So then you want the X off your stomach or on. But anyway, there was, there was the junior cast and the cast. Uh So, but you know, it was very competitive. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. And believe me, those guys were like, Chris Rock was so supportive. He'd be like, I got engaged that year. I met my husband. I, he lived in New York City, like a block from me. I knew him for about four months. And I got engaged. He used to bring the New York Rugby Club to my dressing room. You could bring as many people as you wanted to your dressing room, which I shared with Alan Cleghorn. I was like, I said you could bring a few friends, not the entire club. And why is my sink full of beer? But anyway, <laughs> this is ridiculous. I was like, excuse me, would you mind if I go change into a, a different costume? But anyway, um, Chris Rock used to call me Ringy because I was engaged. <laughs> oh, okay. And he's like, Ringy, Ringy, don't let him mess with you. You're funny. You're funny. You know what you're doing. And, you know, th- those guys were great, really great. David Spade, Tim Meadows, that, you know, that young crowd was really supportive, you know, and 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 really genuinely supportive, you know? Uh-huh. That's, yeah, that's great to hear. I mean, because you, you would be afraid that they'd be like, you know, these frat douche bro guys. But, uh, yeah, no, it's good that they, they had your back. Absolutely. That's, and, and you also came in with a number of other women, like, Ellen Clayhorn, like you said, and uh, Melanie Hutzel and Beth Cahill uh, both started around the same time as you, right? Yes. Yes. Wait, wait I'm opening a seltzer, so you're going to hear a weird sound. Okay. Because um, okay, I know I'm supposed to mute that thing, but I don't know how to do that. I'm, I'm technically challenged. It's okay. fine. So this is what happened. Um, Ellen and I were cast. And then later in that season, they brought in Melanie and uh, Beth Cahill. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was it was it was like fighting to get on. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it must have been tough to. I mean, I'm sure it's always a struggle to find airtime and get your sketches on. And I'm sure you you had like many darlings that never made it to air or you know made it to dress, but didn't make the uh, the final show, right? Yeah, I mean, David Spade and I had this scene. Of course, I to this day thought it was the funniest darn thing. It was ten items or less, and I would. I, it was my idea and it was, I have, to, I have to take my claim to my, isn't that pathetic that I would actually just have said that. So anyway, David <laughs> so, <laughs> and I would try to get it on. And it was like a woman like from the Midwest and, and it was supposed to be a store like with just like one little aisle and David stood right next to it and lived like one little door. So it was like tiny and be like, no, and I'd be the cashier. And so someone would bring like a six pack and a piece of gum and it was called 10 items or less. And I was like, no, wait just one second here. Don't try to get that over on me. There's six beers in that six pack and there's, 12 pieces of gum. You could over on that other line and never got on. And we thought it was so darn funny. And then I remember Adam and Chris Rock wrote this scene to this day. I thought it was so darn funny. And it was supposed to be Fox because in those days, remember it was ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox was new and not to date myself. So they did it. Like they were supposed to be big Hollywood producers from Fox TV and they were starting a new comedy show. And so they asked me and Farley and like, I think Adam, Adam, they were going to be in the sketch as well. You know, they were the producers to, to be like, audi- to be young actors auditioning for the new sketch comedy show. And they're like, you guys just come up with your weirdest characters and do it. So I, I was able, I used to do Bert Lahr. This is the king of the forest. The <laughs> lion for the king of the forest. So I was like, if I, the king of the forest, and do this ridiculous character. Right. So in the read through, you know, you're with, you're with like Al Franken and, and all these like, you know, Rob Smigel, these like Harvard 
you know, educated, really sophisticated writers who are writing these like, you know, really smart comedy. And I'm there, you know, distorting my face, doing the King of the Forest. And of course, Adam and Chris and David and, you know, our young group, Chris Farley thought it was hysterical. And it's even, it's funnier because if other people don't think it, you know how that's like, it's even funnier if someone doesn't think it's funny, but you Uh think it's funny. So then you're like losing your mind laughing. Anyway, long and short, it it didn't get on. (laughs) It did not get on. But then in weeks to come, I'll never forget Madonna was on some show. And, you know, you'd only had a half an hour between when the rehearsal ended, the the rehearsal show, which had 20 sketches. And then then there'd be a half an hour where Lauren gave notes. And in that half an hour, they would cut eight sketches. So it was like, you're going going to the chopping block. It's like, am I going to be a hero this week or am I going to be a big fat loser. So right. in we go and he like, but this is like a couple weeks later and he be giving a note on a scene that's going to get in. He's like, Schwann, the only thing is I'm getting a little King of the forest from that. If you could go easy on the facial expressions. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be like, you guys, I'm going to kill you. They're going to talk about that stupid sketch for the rest of my life. And, I, and they're thinking of me as like the distorted lion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That's, that's incredible. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I mean, unfortunately, those didn't. Well, you know, those sketches didn't get on. But I know you're mostly known for the uh, the Delta 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 sorority girl sketch with uh, yes. Beth and Melanie. So, like, who was behind that? Like, was that something like you came up with, or you guys came up with together? Or no, I would that, no. Melanie Hutzel thought of that sketch, but I would help write. So we would be like, you know, the girls like huddled together, like we've got to get on, and mm-hmm. so. Um, you know, we wrote that sketch. And then, you know, once once Al- Melanie came up with that idea, then there's so many, of course, hilarious things that go along with being in a sorority. And I remember we used to get letters like, please leave the Deltas alone. Can't you go after the DGs? Like from different sororities, like begging us to stop mocking them. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Wow, I, didn't, I didn't know that was a thing. Holy mm-hmm. man. As a matter of fact, with my film, Rushed, being about – Fraternities, people are like, does that tie in? That's so interesting. And I'm like, it totally does not tie in, but I'll pretend it does if it'll get some more t- pe- people in the seats. <laughs> <laughs> you should you should have given uh, Beth and Melanie uh, cameos as, as mothers of sorority girls or something like I that. I know, I should have thought of that. Darn. <laughs> but uh, I, you you also worked with like some a lot of interesting people. Uh, as as the hosts and musical guests, uh, I know you have you have a story about Michael Jordan, who hosted the season premiere. Yes, year. So first um, show of the season was also Michael Jordan's, and uh-huh. you know everybody loves Michael Jordan, and um, so here he is, and he and I are in the De Bears sketch, mm-hmm. you know that was really popular at the time, and George Went was in it, and you know Mike Myers, and so you know we have the rehearsal. And as I said, then the half an hour in between and I go on stage um, and Michael follows me shortly after, maybe 30 seconds after. So Michael is really nervous and he's like, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous, you know, cause he's a basketball player and, 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 you know, he's top, no, no pun intended, top of his game in the right. world. And, but now he's going to be on SNL and he's probably thinking, my God, I cannot make a jerk of myself. So I said, listen, Michael, you know, most of these people are standups, but. I'm not, I'm an actress. I've had a lot of training and I'm going to give you a piece of advice, but what it is, is something that you, you cannot think about right now. I'm going to write it down in a piece of paper. I do not want you to look at it until literally 30 seconds before you go on. So don't open that piece of paper till I walk on and then you'll know you'll read quickly and come on. It's going to help you so much. It's going to get you through the scene. He's like, okay. So I write on a piece of paper. Don't F up but I write the word out, you know? Uh-huh. And so now it's the show live. And I go on and I turn and glance at Michael and he opens up the piece of paper and he reads it. And of course he like is laughing as he enters. Onto uh-huh. the stage. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, and then he came to Syracuse, New York um, years later, maybe five or eight years later. And his manager um, has a building named after him at Syracuse University, Falk, F-A-L-K is his last name. Not to be confused, not to be confused with don't Falk it up. So um, he, it was for, to benefit arthritis at the Carrier Dome in Syracuse. And my brother-in-law, Art Bigsby, is very big into that foundation because his mom 
had been very sick with arthritis. So Michael Jordan comes on the floor of the dome and takes a couple shots, you know, to, to get attract people to come. And my brother-in-law says, Michael Jordan. And he ignores him. Michael Jordan. He ignores him. Siobhan Fallon Hogan. He goes, Hey, sup? So he turns, they talk, and he goes, he goes, and, he, and Michael tells my brother-in-law, he says, I'm Siobhan's brother-in-law. And he tells him the whole, Michael tells uh, Art the whole story. And they're laughing on the court. Cut to two days later, my brother-in-law's in court. And this tough jo- judge from Syracuse, who's known as a real hard ass, says, Art Bigsby approached the bench. And he says, can I ask you a question? How the heck did you make Michael Jordan laugh so hard? And so he told, <laughs> him, he told him the story. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That's yeah. I mean, not, not too many people can say that they got into Michael Jordan's head like that. Is that crazy? That is nuts. That's incredible. <laughs> yep. Uh, so who who were some of your other favorite hosts uh, to work with that came through? I'm, I'm um, well, I love your season. Right love, now. love, love Steve Martin because he's a class right. act and hilarious. Right. And um, let me think. That, um, that was well, the show that started with the the not going to phone it in tonight musical. That's number. right, the musical. Yeah. And you know, I had fancied myself as a musical um, theater performer. Uh-huh. And so um, I finally, I didn't have a high enough voice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I couldn't make it on Broadway. And, um, and so anyway, yes. Yeah, so that, that was, that was a riot. And Chris Farley, you know, we, he and I were like up front and singing our guts out. And um, of course, Bruce Springsteen was on, which is major. And uh-huh. my husband and we were told to stay in our dressing rooms that no one was allowed on the floor that night because, um, they didn't want anybody on the floor. Normally they would let guests come on the floor for the, for the um, special guest singer. Mm-hmm. And so I'm in my dressing room. And that particular night I said to my husband, who was I was only engaged at the time, listen, do not bring the rugby team tonight because they're really making this shutdown because Bruce Springsteen's here. Tom Hanks is the host. Just so he brings one, his brother. So, Tom, so Bruce Springsteen strums the guitar and is like, broom, broom, broom. And, my husband and my brother-in-law, Vinny, they uh, look at each other with wild eyes and make a beeline for the floor. And I'm like, oh, my <laughs> God, this is horrible. I am literally new to the cast, and I am – sorry. I'm new to the cast. That's my family background. I'm new to the cast, and I'm chasing down the road um, – no, down the road, listen to me – down the hallway, my husband and his brother, as they enter the – the floor where the show's going on and <laughs> Bruce Springsteen's like, Oh, I'm going down to lucky town. And they rush the stage and with them, the entire audience follows. And wow. my parents, my parents literally are in the audience that night. They have my two seats. Cause you'd always get two seats. And if you watch that, which is so great for me, cause my father's long gone now, but you can see him pumping his fist Springsteen, as my husband and his brother are in the in the front row. That's the most Jersey story ever. I love that. (laughs) And I live in his town now. I live in I live in Rumson. So um, it's crazy. (laughs) That's very cool. Um, I'm I'm looking through uh, the the other hosts that you had uh, during your season on the show. We had Roseanne Arnold and Tom Arnold. Yes. At the the height of their fame. You must have some stories there. Oh, well, Roseanne was in the, in the um, tried out scene Mm -hmm. and um, she was great. She was great. You know, she's hilarious. I mean, she Uh was really supportive of it. Um, And, and yeah, so she was fun. And let me think who else was. Sharon Stone was on. Right. Um, Tom Hanks, uh, Steve Martin. You know, I mean, it, it was just it was unbelievable. James Taylor, who I loved, I remember. And there was a bunch of like rappers that my kids are like, "You met Tupac?" And I was uh-huh. like, "I didn't even know who he was." I was like, "Who is this guy?" But um, yeah, that's very cool. I, I see you also had one of the original cast members come through, uh, Chevy Chase. Yes. In uh, January of 92. Um, now, we, we've both read the uh, the Live from New York oral history book, and it seems like a recurrent thing in that book is like kind of Chevy Chase comes through and 
it seems like every generation cast has a Chevy Chase story. Did you, so did you come out of that experience with a Chevy Chase story? Well, Chevy Chase came in and we would all gather in um, Lauren's office every Monday when the host would come in mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> you to tell your ideas. And Chris, and he was kind of serious, Chevy Chase. Uh-huh. And Chris Farley, everybody's like, y'all, I have this idea, you know, because I really feel like, you know, this is um, – Reminds me of Nietzsche, and um, we, you know, like I anyway. So it gets to Chris Farley, and Chris is like, you know, well, I'm not much of a reader per se, and you know, blah blah blah. And he slaps his head, and it was so friggin' funny because Chevy Chase was kind of serious, you know, uh-huh. and and it, and it was like a little tense, you know, some some like Jerry Seinfeld when he was host and Larry David, they're hilarious people and easy socially, you know what I mean? But some of these guys were just, um, you know, a little tougher. So the room would be, you know, as I said, I love when, when, when you're with funny people and then it's like a dysfunctional family and then someone's a little bit more serious and then it's even funnier. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So Chris was like the wild guy who was like, you know, always cracking the room up no matter what, because he's hilarious, you know, on and off stage. Well, that's very cool. That's, <laughs> wow, that's, that's very cool. Did, did you have any other, uh, like, favorite sketches uh, from your time there that you were in? Well, this is so funny, but, um, well, remember, I don't know if you're a massive head wound, Harry, when that was Dana Carvey and of course. Farley wow. David. Yeah, and the dog, whatever happened, the dog had to have some special type of thing, that, you know, food on the on the head, head right. wound. And so the dog was practically, like, eating Phil Harmon, and it was just insane. And then I was always the judge um, in the scene. So Chris Farley used to call, I mean, Chris Rock used to call me judgy wudgy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. I, like giving you nicknames. It sounds like. Yeah. Ringy judgy wudgy. I know it was insane. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean the massive head wound Harry sketch. That is, it is pretty classic. I mean, I remember watching that as a kid and like, even, like just the image of Dana Carvey with that, an open gaping wound. In his head is disgusting enough. But then you add on to it the dog licking it. And then the dog I remember as a kid seeing like yeah. the dog like literally tugging on it. And he almost pulled it ah, so hard you. that like Dana had to like hold it in place so it didn't fall off completely. <laughs> yes. Yes. And also as as I'm talking to you, I remember when, when Macaulay Culkin came on and he had just done uh-huh. home alone and he was such a sweet little kid and his brother was on, Kieran, who I'm th- I'm such a fan of, um, actor. He's such a great actor. Uh yeah. You know, and it was just like it was just crazy when you think about it. You know, yeah, all the singers yeah. and the Garth Brooks had just broken, and he was like, "I'll never forget." He opened the door for me. He was like, "There you go, ma'am," and I was like, "Ma'am, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm in my twenties. What is happening?" But um, but you know, it was it was really incredible. Wow! Yeah, and, it sounds like a really incredible time. Yes, I, and, and I see on that Macaulay Culkin show, Tin Machine was the musical guest. So you you got to meet David Bowie, I'm presuming. I know. Is that crazy? Well, wow. you should see. Let me tell you something, you guys. So I went to the 40th, and um, my kids. I take turns, kind of letting each one um, come to something special. So uh-huh. if it's your turn, you know, it depends on what comes up. So you could luck out or not luck out, right? I uh, gotcha. It was my son's turn, so he was a junior in high school, and uh. <laughs> excuse me, he's in the talks and everything. I thought, okay, I'm going to make this my mission to have Peter meet every single, you know, famous person and get a picture with him. Cause I know he'll get such a kick out of this. So I was like, just completely shameless. I was like, Hey, hi, how are you? And you know, he had pictures taken with everybody, you know, Zach Galifianakis and Jim Carrey. And you know, we, we have them all. Um, Will Ferrell, Will Ferrell was so damn funny. I love him. And I had not met Phil. I mean, I mean, Will, listen to me. I'm like, uh-huh. Phil, I, I not met Will. So I was like, hey, Will. And he's like, hey, Siobhan. And, and, and I had just auditioned. This is so funny for Alvin and the Chipmunks. I go, listen, I don't want to brag. But I just had a very important audition for Alvin and the Chipmunks three, <laughs> as the neighbor. And he's like, now, Siobhan, tonight is not about you. <laughs> I'm going to be talking about Alvin and the Chipmunks and how you killed it in the audition. Okay? So... I said, no, Will, we're not. As a matter of fact, what we're going to be talking about is my son. 
And, it, and so he's like, I said, we, my goal tonight is to have take as many pictures of him with as many celebrities so he can brag to his friends back home. He's like, Peter, come here. And he goes, you know, we're like both in Texas. He's like, you're a fine American young boy. So what you and I are going to do is get in a fist fight right now. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, what we need to do is shake this place up. So put your dukes up and we were going to get in a little fight now. I mean, he was so damn funny. And then I was talking to Rihanna. Rihanna came over to me. Wow. Wow. She's like, oh, I just have to tell you, I can't believe it. I love men in black. And I was like, what's your name? Cause you know, I'm like my mother. I didn't even know who she was. She's like, I'm Rihanna. I go, Oh my gosh. I go, you have to meet my son. I go, I think he really likes you. So I'm like, <laughs> Peter, come here. I go, this is Rihanna. He's like, I know mom. And she's like, can you believe your mom is famous? What was that like growing up with a famous mom? And I was like, yeah, Peter, you idiot. So <laughs> one really funny story is, and it's sad, but my son, um, there was a girl in town, a uh, great, beautiful girl named Allison Raywood. And she had gotten, she had cancer and she was very sick. She was only a junior in high school. And my son's a good guy. And um, he got the whole football team to sign a jersey for her and went over and brought it to her shortly before she she passed. And so he had this whole a uh, beautiful Jersey and, and big thing from the whole team. And, you know, she was really touched. And she said, guess who did a make a wish for me? And it was um, Kim Kardashian and her husband. Now what, what the heck's her husband's name? See, I don't even know to this day. What, what I know he's somebody famous. What's his name? Uh, Kanye. 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 Okay. So I, I go over at the premiere because now I'm on fire. I'm like, Oh my God, everybody's getting their picture taken with Peter. Peyton Manning, you know, I'm like, Hey, don't you play football? So anyway, um, so I go over to Beyonce and this is how out of it I am. I'm now, I'm like my mother. I don't watch TV. I'm like, I'm like the opposite of anyone you've ever met. That's an actress. And I'm like, hi. And she's so nice. And I said, I just want to introduce myself. My name is Siobhan Valen Hogan. She's like, I was like, I was on, she's like, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I said, I just want to tell you what you and your husband did for my son's daughter. I mean, I mean, my the, the daughter of my friend, and my daughter, my, what, my, this girl from Rumson, New Jersey, who was very sick two days ago was amazing. And she's like, what in God's name are you talking about? I mean, she's thinking this. She's not saying it because she's too nice. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I'm not quite sure I know what you're talking about. And I explained the whole story. And she's like, I didn't do that. And I go, wait a minute. What's your name? And she's <laughs> like, Beyonce. <laughs> I, go, I go, oh my God you're really famous. I go, I'm so sorry. I go, you're a singer, right? And she's like, yeah, but she loved it because everybody knows who she is and it harasses her all the time. Now I can hear my son going, my son comes over. He's like, mom, mom. I was like, Peter, Peter, listen, this is Beyonce. I said, I thought she was the one who did that recording for Allison, but she's not. And he's like, I know mom. <laughs> <laughs> so of course that was the story for like two years that my kids were like, mom, thought Beyonce was Kim Kardashian. I'm like, I don't know. They're all, they're both beautiful. What, what the hell do I know? I don't know who these people are. They probably get that all the time. Oh yeah. They're not recognized ever. And then afterwards, of course I was like, Oh my God, I'm such an idiot, but, but who cares? Honestly, I think it was refreshing. I, mean, I think it was refreshing I, because she's probably sick of being harassed. Exactly. Exactly. It's probably a nice novelty for her to, to not be yeah. recognized. So. Right. She's like, what planet are you from? I'm like, I'm from Jupiter. We just moved to Saturn though. We're re relocating. So I'm tired. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, uh, well, you mentioned you were also in Men in Black. You're, you're you know, the, Tommy Lee Jones uses the flash thing on you. And Oh, yes. It, and Will Smith tells you to redecorate. Yes, Tommy Lee Jones and um, Will Smith. Um, we were in the Men in Black, and it was shot on the Little House on the Prairie set. Oh, wow. And my daughter, Bernadette, was only about 18 months old. That's how long ago it was. And Barry Sonnenfeld, greatest guy, greatest director. So funny. Such a great guy. And we couldn't – they couldn't get the truck up the hill to um, – because it was raining and raining and raining, like cats and dogs. And the, the dirt in LA doesn't have traction. It's more like clay than Eastern dirt. So even if you have like tires that are major tires that can grip the ground, they can't get up the hill. Hmm. So day after day, they'd be like, can't get the truck up the hill. We can't do it. Finally, we do it. Now, also, Vincent D'Onofrio, of course, is playing my son who turns into the alien. 
And I am out of my mind at this point because I've been out there for like three weeks and I thought I was only going to be there like a week. And I have a baby back home that is going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And so Jer- Barry's like, Sharon, let me ask Vincent if he do let you shoot your side first. Because when you're in a film, the, the bigger star always goes first for their close-up. Right. Well, he asked Vincent and Tommy Lee Jones is like, let her, she's got to go to her baby. Let her do it. And Will's like, yeah, come on. Anyway, they did. And they let me go home and I got the red eye. But they're, they're great, great, great guys. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. That's very cool. And I mean, you were also in another very famous movie, Forrest Gump. You were a, a bus driver in Forrest's childhood. And then you show up again at the very end of the movie as yes. Forrest is putting his son on the school bus. And you're well, you're actually playing the same character, right? Right. Well, SNL opened a lot of doors for me as far as getting into um, films. And mm-hmm. um, anyway, so um, what was I? Sorry, my son is texting me right now from an airport. I, oh. I hope he made his plane. Um, so what were you saying? Forrest Gump, bus driver. Gump. Oh, so SNL opened up a ton of doors for me. And when I went in for both, both Forrest Gump and Men in Black – I was going in for smaller parts and I was like, no, no, no. These are the parts I want to play. So that was the deal. Uh-huh. And I was like, and they were like, all right, go for it. But, but, for, and, you know, Forrest Gump, who knew it was going to be that big of a hit? I mean, I remember when I got my first residual check, I almost fell down dead. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, that's great. And I'm assuming Tom Hanks remembered you from when you hosted, uh, when he hosted the show. Tom Hanks remembered me. Tom's a great guy. He remembered me from when he hosted the show because I think we did, were in a game show sketch together. And, um, you know, we, we every day I'd be in the trailer with Tom Hanks. And, you know, as you said, I was young and old. So they would be like blow drying my face to get ready for the second scene, which was what they call second unit because they had to get the big Vietnam scenes done first. And every day they'd be like, Siobhan. And I'd be looking like I was like 100 years old with the age makeup on. And he'd be like, all okay? And I'm like, Yeah. And they'd say, sorry, we're not going to get you today. And I was like, cha-ching, I don't care. <laughs> delaying my part. Because at that point, I was being paid daily, which when you first, when you first an act, you know, a young actor, you, you, you are paid by the day. Right, right. So you were like, ah, another per diem. Nice. Another, uh, yes, please, please. <laughs> yeah. Delay it some more. Shoot some more mm-hmm. Vietnam stuff. Right. And I imagine, like, uh, being on SNL kind of prepared you for, like, you know, work, the fast-paced world of working on uh, film set because you know as, as we've heard in numerous times like working on SNL it's like kind of its own thing like the way that the, the whole that whole machine like worked Listen, at its own pace it's like so fast-paced film is a piece of cake compared to SNL because <laughs> film they'll be like okay we're gonna film this and then we're gonna do your close-up then we're gonna get this angle that angle we're gonna, they, they have a rehearsal then they set up the lights by the time they get to your scene you're like I'm not nervous at all and we've done it so many times SNL you're it's like you know, into the frying pan, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and you basically have one time to get it right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. right. So did all your training uh, sort of prepare you for that? Or is it like one of those things where you just had to kind of um, learn as you went? I will say yes. However, I was never a cue card reader because I'm an actress. Uh, I want to yeah. know my lines. I want to have them memorized. So I didn't, I didn't like the cue card deal. Sometimes I would, so I would quickly try to rem- memorize my lines Say a sketch was cut, say it wasn't cut with very, very little time. You know, you have, he had the day and you had in between and then they would make changes. So I would never look at a cue card because I couldn't. That made me even more nervous than having the cue card. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Wow. Yeah. That, that must have been tough, especially with like last minute rewrites coming through and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One thing we haven't hit on is uh, your time on Seinfeld. You played Elaine's roommate in some early episodes Yes. Series. And you dated Kramer. Yes. So <laughs> the deal with that was um, uh, Jerry Seinfeld and Larry David had been to this play that I did, American Splendor. Mm-hmm. And they called me in at, to audition for Elaine's roommate. Now, so I I knew this girl in high school who got all the boys. And she talked to her all in a slow. And she was like, oh, my God, you're so cute. And she I knew this guy named Jerry. And she was like, Jerry. And so basically I did an invitation to her. So – I get the role and Seinfeld had been only its first season. They didn't know if they're being picked up. So mm-hmm. they were nervous because I believe I did the last episode of the first season or one of the last ones. And they're like, we don't know if we're going to get picked up. And uh, so 
they, those people are the best. They work their rear ends off, you know, hard work pays off and they're funny. So mm-hmm. cut to by the time that I did the last episode, I mean, I did three of them. I was supposed to do a fourth one. SNL wouldn't let me out. But um, when I did the fourth one that I was, was I Kramer's girlfriend in that one or the Jehovah's Witnesses one where I was like, that's why there's a buzzer. Cause I do cameos. My son, oh, right. cameo yeah, you- people always want me to do that's why there's a buzzer or Jerry, you know, so when I was on Seinfeld, the very first episode, Larry David calls me at home. He's like, Siobhan, I thought he was going to fire me. He said, listen, I got to cut your part down a little bit because, you know, we we have to fit this into 22 minutes. That's how long a half hour sitcom is. I was like, no problem. I thought you were going to cut me. So if you watch the first episode that I'm in, I'm Elaine's roommate and I come in and I got, I asked the prop people for a water bottle. Uh-huh. And I take the longest sip in the history of sips on TV <laughs> to drag my part out. And I, I, I'm like, Jerry, and I, I have this improv class. And it was really, so I basically <laughs> milked it as uh-huh. we say, but anyway, no, that was amazing. And then Jerry was on SNL after that. So that was cool. And it was just, you know, that show was top of the heap. So it was a real honor to be on it. That's great. That's great. And uh, all right. Well, I know you you have to go soon. Are, are there are there any other stories that you want to hit on before we uh, we let you go? Well, I would like to say that I'd like to do a shout out and honor Chris Farley because he was a great friend and he was a fabulous guy. And not only on set was he supportive and hilarious and great to the audience, you know, for autographs or anything. He was just a guy that would do anything for anyone. But we also were very good friends. He and my husband were good friends. And he um, went to the same church as me, uh, Holy Trinity on 83rd 83rd Street. Mm. And we'd go every Sunday night late, you know, because, of course, we'd been out to like four in the morning at the parties. But when I went to his memorial, um, you would expect um, famous people to be up there saying what a great guy was. But it was a homeless guy who was in public housing, had been homeless who he used to bring meals to. So that's the kind of guy that Chris Farley was. And when I think of SNL, I think of what a, an unbelievable guy he was and what a great family he came from and how lucky I was to call him my friend. Wow. That's, that's great. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's, that's great to hear. So, um, well, thank you so much for, for doing this. Why don't you uh, give us the basic info again for Rush so pe- where people can check that out. I know that's premiering Absolutely. soon. So Rush will be in theaters. Rush will be in theaters all over the country, Staten Island, New York, Florida, all over. On August 27th, it stars Robert Patrick from The Terminator. It stars Jake Weary from Animal Kingdom. Perry Gilpin from Frasier's on it. It's directed by Vivica Musaya in theaters August 27th, but it will also be on video on demand on the same day on Apple, iTunes, and many video platforms. It's a thriller about a mom who goes toe-to-toe with a frat boy, and it's a great movie, so I hope you'll come out and watch it. All right. right. Well, we'll be sure to check that out. Yeah, and for all our Jersey listeners, uh, you can check it out. It'll be at the Count Basie Theater down in Red Bank on the 27th. It's going to be uh, Count Basie, August 27th. It's going to be in Atlantic Highlands, um, August 27th. It's going to be at the Atrium on Arthur Kill Road in Staten Island. It's going to be at the Kent Theater in Brooklyn and Malvern Theater in Long Island. It's going to be all over the place, Rochester, Albany, Syracuse, everywhere. But And if you can't find it in your hometown, watch it on Apple or iTunes. All right. Okay. Well, we will be sure to check that out. We're looking forward to it. And, Thank uh, you so much, you guys, for having me. Oh, yeah. Thanks so much for doing this. We really appreciate it. And we love hearing all your stories. Oh, yeah. thank you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I guess that's the episode, guys. Thanks again for listening. As always, you can um, uh, rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, please, you know, please do all that things. And uh, of course, uh, donate to our Patreon, non-productive.com. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Darren Credible. That's D-A-R-I-N Credible. Oh, but and I forgot to say this, Darren. Oh. You can follow the movie at Rushed Movie on Instagram or on Facebook or hashtag Rushed Movie when you post. Thank you. All right. Okay. Fantastic. All right. And uh, I'm also on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Trumbull Comic. That's T-R-U-M-B-U-L-L and the word comic. And uh, you can follow uh, the shows uh, 
Twitter page at SNL Nerds Show. It looks like we finally have uh, worked out most of our problems with that. So, uh, yeah, check us out there. Um, and we're going to be back next week. I think next week, Darren, uh, we were doing uh, Schmigadoon, right? That's right. We're talking about Schmigadoon, the Apple Plus TV show with uh, Cecily Strong, Keegan Michael Key. Uh, who else is in there? Uh, Martin Short's in there. I got Fred Armisen in there. And the whole thing is uh, produced by the, the great Mr. Lauren Michaels. So we're going to. Well, there you go. So, uh, nice. yeah, tune in for that. All right. So we will be back with that next week. Uh, but until then, nerds, nerds out. out. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablaoui. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.